I feel like I want to build on a little bit from last night. We talked about last night about, you know, what it means to wrestle for what's already ours in the spirit, for our destiny, for the prophetic thing over our life, for the prophetic call over our life. What it means. Who was here last night? Most of you. Who wasn't here last night? A lot of you. Okay, well, we're going to build up from that. I believe that the Bible says we go from glory to glory, right? So we get to build from... We build on every different foundation. We have to keep building and building and building so we go higher and higher. We never want to go back, do we? I want to talk tonight about moving into increase. Moving into increase. Open your Bibles quickly here to Psalms 115, to 115 verse 14. This is a word for you right now. Psalms 115 for, verse 14. It says here, May the Lord give you increase more and more. You and your children, may you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. Let me proclaim this over you. May the Lord give you increase more and more. You and your children, may you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. Did you receive that in your spirit? You can take this right now. This is a prophetic promise right now. May the Lord give you increase more and more, you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. God is bringing increase. I want to talk about, see, when we come into the place of Coming into our mandate, coming into the knowledge of our calling, like Jacob, like Israel, Jacob turned into Israel, Israel came into his calling, walked into the promised land, after he was dealt with the things in his heart, 20 years went by, he was, he walked into the fulfillment of his promise, the thing he was waiting for, the thing that he knew was over his life, but once you get into that place, you have to steward it. You have to not only maintain what you have, but increase, don't you? You have to increase. You increase in faith. You increase in the the, the lifestyle of the kingdom. You increase in, in healing. You increase in all the things that are in your heart. It has to keep increasing. That's a sign of the kingdom. The kingdom is like a mustard seed, the Bible says, right? But when full grown, it's bigger than all the herbs of the earth. What starts off as really small keeps on growing. We cannot be satisfied with where we've been or what we've seen or where we're at right now. We have to be hungry to increase, to increase our territory in the spirit, to own land, to grow in the spirit. In every area, every facet of your life, it is God's will to increase you, to bless you. That's part of the Abrahamic blessing. To multiply you. Luke 17 verse 5. And the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Then the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, say to this berry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea and it would obey you. God, give us more faith. What he's saying is, but I've already given you faith. When you use what you have, more will be given to you. When you use what you have, what I've already given you, what's already on the inside of you, you'll see increase. And even what you have is so powerful to move the greatest of all mountains. 
where you could say to this berry tree, get up and move, and it will get up and move. What he's saying is that your faith, even how, how, however, however small you may think it is right now, when you begin to use what you got, you will see multiplication. You'll begin to see breakthrough. Do you understand that? When you use what you've got, by taking what you've got and using it, like we said last night, James 1.22, if we're only doers, or if we're not doers, we're only hearers of the word, we're actually in deception. In other words, if you don't use what you've got, you're in deception. The enemy will come and make you think that you're all right by leaving the seed in your mind. The, the revelation will be in your mind. Revelation in your mind does not lead you into an encounter. Revelation has to go from your mind into your heart to bring you into an experience. That's why it says in, in Romans 10.9, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you'll be saved. You'll come into a, a level of a new creation, transformation. When you believe in your heart, when something connects in your heart, it will bring you into a manifestation of whatever you say you believe. So the revelation has to move from your mind into your heart. But it starts in the mind. You see, Romans 12 says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. When you begin to think differently, you begin to act differently. And when you begin to act differently, because faith is an action word, when you begin to act differently, you come into a manifestation of what that faith is for. We need to use what we've got. First Corinthians 3, chapter, or chapter 3, verse 6. Paul's talking, he says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. You see our job description? You don't give the increase to yourself. You don't make the increase happen in your life, whether it's an area of finances or whatever it may be in your church or whatever it may be, or in your spiritual life or your job. You don't make the increase, but when you steward what you have and use what you've got and do your duty and fulfill your responsibility, then God gives the increase. Because of the favor and the blessing that's on your life. First Corinthians 4.2 says, Those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. Faithfulness is one of the greatest keys to walking and living in the favor of God and the blessing of God. And seeing those blessings manifest. It's one thing to say, oh, I'm blessed by the Lord, by faith. But one thing to actually live those manifest blessings on the earth. One thing to say, I believe I'm healed by faith, but to actually be healed in, this, in the physical body is a different thing. Thank you, God. I want to give you some keys here, quickly, about moving into increase. Number one, intimacy with God. Intimacy with God. The importance of intimacy with God. God wants to refine us in that intimate place. God wants to nurture and train us and equip us in our intimate place with the Lord. We need to have this intimate relationship. John says that we have to abide in him and he have to have him abide in us. If we abide in him and he in us, we will produce much fruit. The only way to produce fruit is to abide in him and him in us. Being a, staying a partaker, Hebrews says, to stay a partaker of Christ. To continue to maintain our relationship, but not just maintain, to maintain it, but also grow our relationship with God. I had this experience, I was at a car wash. How many believe that, that God is bigger than just coming into your life during a church service? I love the encounters that I've had. I've had actually a lot more crazier encounters outside on the street in the, in the normal places than I have even in my bedroom sometimes. In the, I was at a car wash. 
And I was waiting in line at a car wash. This is in Canada. And I, I was just kind of sitting there waiting for the car to go up in front of me. It was during the wintertime. It gets very, very cold in the wintertime. Very, very cold. And, uh, and so I was sitting at the car wash, and the line was going really slow. And all of a sudden, I looked up, and I had an open vision outside of my car at the car wash, and this giant pillar of fire stood in front of me. And the Lord spoke to me and said, the fire of my holiness is coming to your life. And God launched me into this pruning, this season where God began to break me and prepare me and like mend and, and re, and re, re heal and just destroy some of the mindsets that I had that were holding me back and my spiritual walk. And it comes in this place of intimacy with Him. God wants to so refine us and get us ready for what He has. Like Jacob took him 20 years of refining to get him ready of toil and labor and working under an abusive authority, his uncle, and all these things, and having his wages changed ten times, and being thrown around like the, the, the waves, and all, the, all these things. And he learned, he was prepared, and he was ready in that season. He was refined. Job says that when you have tested me, I will come forth as gold. The testing season of your life is to refine you, to purify you, to remove all the dross, and get you ready for what he has for you. Part of this intimacy with God thing, I want to give you some points here, is A, experiential knowledge of Jesus, not just knowledge. God wants, you to, God wants to give you the experiential knowledge of Jesus, not just knowledge. A knowledge that brings you into an experience. When God gives you a revelation about something, you have to go and make that an experience. One of the reasons why we don't see increase in our lives is because or even in other people's lives that we're trying to minister to, is because we haven't totally received the revelation of it ourselves by experience. We know it to say it, but we don't know it to live it. You see, Ezekiel was a man who lived the message. The message was inside of his belly, and that's why he could prophesy to Israel. Because he carried the message inside of him, so it gave him a greater authority to speak that which was inside of him. John 6.63 says, Jesus said, I speak to you, my words are spirit and they are life. See, the words of Jesus weren't just these natural human words that he just spoke. They actually became life. How many want that? Proverbs says the tongue is the power of life and death. That by your tongue, if you truly are living what you say, you can release, there's an authority on your tongue. Just like in 1 Samuel, that Samuel, it says of Samuel, that none of his words fall to the ground. Because he lived, he was a prophet who lived out of the presence of God. And so when he spoke, his words carried an extra authority on it, so they always stuck because they were from God. Do you understand this? When Jesus spoke, he spoke not as the teachers of the law, not as the religious guys who knew it all in their heads. Even the non-believers said, I think it's John 7, 46, the officer said, no one ever spoke like this man. Matthew 7, verse 28 and 29, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. That's what segregated Jesus to be different. When Jesus spoke, it wasn't just these words. It wasn't just this knowledge. It was that he was living, he was the message. Do you understand what I'm saying? He was the very testimony. So when he spoke, 
there was an authority on what he spoke, and people around him knew something was different about this Jesus guy. He was different. Acts 4.13, the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were, were just ordinary men who had no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. They were recognized not by their understanding or their knowledge, but by the very presence they carried. They knew what Jesus was already dead at this point and rose again. They remembered what Jesus the Christ was like when he's on the earth. And they knew by their lifestyle, Peter and John, because of what they were doing, it so mimicked what Jesus did when he was on the earth. That's what we're called to do, is to mimic Jesus. To actually mimic what Jesus did. Because when Antioch called people Christians, we use that term so loosely now, don't we? Oh, I'm a Christian because I, I was born in a, or whatever, I'm a Catholic. Or I'm, no, you're not by association. You're not a Christian by association or because your grandfather or because your mother or whatever. You're not, you're not a Christian by association. You're a Christian by association with the knowledge and revelation of Christ. Understanding who He is, being in relationship with Him. But the word Christian actually means little Christ or like Christ. Christ-like one. Where you're so much like Christ that people actually think, well, they're, they're, they're a little Christ. They're, they're Christ, basically. They're, they're a new image of Christ. How many want to be that? That's what we're called to be. Because the disciples, see, all those, these dudes were raising the dead. They were casting out devils. They were doing everything Jesus did when he was on the earth. And so these people didn't know what else to call them. I guess, well, they're just Christs walking around. Because they're doing exactly what he did when he was on the earth. Shika. Telling you. Intimacy with God. This all flows out of a place of intimacy with God. Part of this intimacy with God. This, this, the way that we come into increase is tapping into the secrets. If you're taking notes, B. <laughs> tapping into the secrets of God. <laughs> tapping into the secrets of God. I was in this experience. I was in Toronto, and I, I was in Second Corinthians 12. Remember when Paul had an out-of-body experience? How many believe out-of-body experiences still happen today? It's not just for the guys in the Bible. It's for all of us. It's not freaky. It's not flaky. It's okay. Because Jesus always was in heaven anyways. And in fact, your spirit is already in heaven right now. You know that? Ephesians 2.6 says you've been raised with Christ and seated with Him in heavenly places. Right? If you're in Christ and Christ is in you, where is Christ right now? Colossians 3, at the right hand of the Father. So where is your spirit man right now? Right? Why are you citizens of heaven? Because your spirit lives there right now. John 3.13, Jesus said, I'm in heaven right now at the same time I'm talking to you, Nicodemus. That's what he said literally. I'm in heaven right now as I'm speaking to you on the earth. He said to Jesus, or Jesus said to Nicodemus in John 3.13, he said, No one has ascended to heaven except the Son of Man who came down from heaven. That is the Son of Man who is in heaven. <laughs> no one has gone to heaven except the Son of Man 
who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man, who is me talking to you right now, who is in heaven right now. That's what he was saying. I love this. Man, they're quick. Isn't that amazing? He was saying that I live in two places at once. That's why I can do what I'm doing. Because Luke 2 says, I'm about my father's business. And the only way I can do his business is to see what he's doing. John 5.19. I have to see what the father is doing before I can do it. In fact, me, the son of God, I'm useless by myself. He says, I can do nothing on my own initiative. That's what he said in John 5.19. I can do nothing on my own initiative except what I see my father doing. Man, isn't that awesome? He was useless. And we're all useless too. We're all useless except through him we can do all things. Through Christ we can do all things. What does that mean? Anything you want to do. In Christ you can do it. We serve a good God. I was in this, in Toronto, and I came into this experience. My body was sucked up out, my spirit was sucked up out of my body, and I went into this room in heaven. Now, this is out there for some of you, but I don't apologize. Because we read the scriptures, we don't apologize. And I was in this room, and I asked the Lord in, I didn't see the Lord, but I knew He was there, and I asked the Lord in this heavenly experience, where am I? He said, Sean, you're in a room called 333. That's what he told me. You're in a room called 333. You know, one of those, like, kind of riddles. You know, one of the most common ways in the Old Testament, if you study it, that God spoke to the prophets was through riddles. What they call dark sayings. How many of you like to have a riddle? You know, I, I I was sleeping one day, and I woke up randomly to the audible voice of God. He said to me, Sean, he said this. He said, he didn't say Sean, but he said, this is what I heard. He said this. The bitter taste of the sweet almond will be the sound of your deliverance. <laughs> it was so profound. I was like, that, that has to be in the Bible. Searching the Proverbs, you know. The bitter taste of the sweet almond will be the sound of your deliverance. That was like the second riddle I ever received from God. And, you know, it was so fun to figure it out. You know what riddles do? You know when you're, you get a riddle and you're trying to figure it out and you're repeating it and all of a sudden, boom, you just get it? Isn't that the most amazing experience? It's almost like a Rubik's Cube. You know, you're trying so hard and all of a sudden one day you get it. Although many of you haven't got it yet. That's how God spoke to the prophets in the Old Testament through what they call dark sayings. And so I was in this experience and God said, you're in a room called 333 and about two weeks later, the Lord gave me a revelation about you're in the place of Jeremiah 33.3. I'm about to reveal my secrets to you because we're friends. John 15.15 15 says, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends because a servant does not know what his master is doing. But you see, friends share secrets with friends. Genesis says, shall I hide from Abraham, my friend, what I'm doing. See, God discloses and he releases things that he's doing to his friends because he can trust. Because when you're a friend of God, there's a trust. Isn't there? You aren't friends with somebody the moment you meet them, are you? In the natural, are you? It's, it's a process of time, of friendship, where there's a trust that's built between you both. Isn't there? 
And with God, God brought me in this whole season of, He began to reveal to me things that were not yet known. You see, Jeremiah 33.3 says, Call to me and I will answer and show you things that are not yet known. Things that are unsearchable. Wow. Oh, no. I thought it was another one. Jeremiah 33.3. John 15.14 says, You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. See if you're taking notes. Part of this process is being obedient to what he says for you to do. The Holy Ghost wants to lead you. If you are led by the Spirit, you are sons of God. Romans 8.14 If you are led by the Spirit, you will be sons of God. You are called sons of God. It's all about being led by the Spirit, keeping in step with what he's saying. But you see, a lot of people come up here, you know, they come up here and they talk about all their good stories. But what about all their failures? What about all the times when, you know, they felt like an absolute moron because nobody responded to what they said or they felt because they were so wrong in what they said or how about, you know, they never tell you the horror stories, do they? I'm telling you, most people who you see right now in ministry will never tell you times when they've made mistakes. (laughs) Some of you are like, what's he going to (laughs) say? But we have to be obedient even if we're not quite sure if it's the Lord. Because God loves you so much that He'd rather you make a mistake and allow His grace to pick you back up again and be in faith than to never try at all and live in regret. To step out and say, I believe every person right now is going to be healed. Then, and in faith, if the Lord told you to do that, and in faith, then never step out at all. I was saved for like nine months and I was so on fire for God. I was so like, all the time. And you know, I was a little out of balance in a lot of areas and, and God had to like align me properly and man, I miss those days sometimes. I think about it, but, and I remember I was still working landscaping and I was just finished the six month season of like crazy prayer with God. I had no job and I talked about this, my testimony on the first night, but just four to eight hours a day hanging out with the Lord, reading the, I love the word. When I got saved, I was in a really conservative church that didn't even talk about the Holy Ghost or anything. I didn't know anything about anything. I had no grit for anything yet. And I began to experience all these things. And I began to search and go to other churches because something was happening that wasn't happening at my church or these churches. So I was so hungry for God. I wanted all of God. And I was landscaping one day. You know, and God wants to use you in your workplace, doesn't he? God just doesn't want to use you in ministry in the church. Everybody, we have this thing, I think, sometimes in the church, well, if you're really radical and out there and you're anointed, you're called to, to be a minister in the church, you're called to be a pastor. That's not true. That's the furthest thing from the truth. We need marketplace people who are led by the Spirit, who move in the power of the Spirit, don't we? Right? You, you, you believe that? That you can do everything that you see somebody else can do in the church, in your workplace, in the Starbucks, wherever you are. And I was digging a hole behind it, underneath a shed one, one, one day, and I was really pressing in God. I want specific, I want to hear your, 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 your voice, but really specific. Give me words, give me understanding. And all of a sudden, I heard this voice speak to me and said, because there was this guy, you see, I was working in this new development area, and there was this, this backyard uh, that was brand new beside me. There was no fences yet. And there was this big biker dude, tattoos everywhere, listening to his radio, putting up a fence by himself. And I was back there. I could see him. He could see me. And, and I was digging. And all of a sudden, I hear the words, this, this, this voice speak to me. 
and say, he's got a friend named Janie. She's suicidal. Tell him to pray for her. That was it. And I, I just prayed, God, give me something. And then I hear this, this voice say to me, he's got a friend named Janie. She's suicidal. Tell him to pray for her. And I was like, oh, God, I want confirmation. You know, we ask for God. It's like this. It's like in Acts 12, when the intercessors were praying for Peter to get out of prison, Peter gets out of prison. When he knocks on the door, they don't even believe it's Peter. They say, oh, it's just his angel. Sometimes we ask, but don't know how to receive when it comes, do we? We ask God to speak to us. Then when we get it, we don't know how to receive it. We push it off and say that wasn't God. So I heard, I said, God, please, I promise I'll give it, I'll give it if I get more confirmation, you know. I promise. And I was still a new believer and I was like, God, you know. And no joke, God is so good. In like 15 to 30 seconds of while I'm asking for confirmation, the radio comes on and the announcer says, and the next song is, Janie's got a gun. <laughs> I'm like, you know, like Aerosmith song? And I'm like, oh, then I'm like, okay, one more confirmation. You know, I thought we all do, don't we? It's like, I, it's like I, something, I knew it was God, but something on the inside of me, my flesh, did not want to do it. And so, it's all about timing with God, isn't it, you guys? It's all about timing. You may get something, but it's all about timing. And so I said, okay, God, and I, I began to pray, and I'm, like, I'm going to give it to him, I'm going to give it to him, you know? And I waited some time, waited five minutes, ten minutes, Kept waiting, and I didn't. I wasn't obedient. I kept waiting and waiting. And my boss calls me up to the front, and I had to work in the front for a little bit. I said, okay, "Find God. I when I come back, I'll give it to him." And when I came back, the guy had left. It was getting in his truck and drove down the the road. And I was like, I felt the 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 sadness of the Holy Ghost come on me. That I just missed an opportunity to bring light into a situation. And from that day forward, it was like God began to direct my heart to a love for obedience. Because every day with God is today. Today, if you hear my voice, don't harden your heart. Don't let your heart get hard by any little bit of disobedience. Because the more you're disobedient to every little still word from God or whatever you're hearing from God, the more you're disobedient, the harder your heart gets. The point where you cannot hear anymore. And I'm telling you, that experience really shook me up. And it gave me a love for obedience. The Bible says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. Sometimes even the little things. I was in, on the east coast of Canada doing a, a school of the prophetic that we do. And we were in this fire hall, this fireman's hall doing these meetings. And this guy came in. And we, just, we didn't have any worship. We just had like a CD playing. And this guy was in there and he was, and he was you know, just... He was having an encounter with God. He was crying, and I, I assumed he was a believer, you know. I assumed he was like a, like a, a believer. He was having this encounter with God in worship and stuff, and I had no idea he wasn't even a believer. And I was, when we were transitioning into the teaching time, the Lord told me to rebuke witchcraft. And so I just, okay, I was obedient. I started just being obedient, you know. I had no idea why. I didn't really feel any witchcraft. I just, God told me to rebuke witchcraft. So I began to rebuke this witchcraft spirit. And at the end of the meeting, I didn't see anything happen. At the end of the meeting, that same guy walks up to me and says, how come when you rebuked witchcraft, you stared at me? And I'm like, what do you mean stared at you? I wasn't staring at you. I don't remember that. No, he's like, you were staring at me. And it freaked me out because you were like looking into my soul. I said, I was not staring at you. 
He said, no, you were staring at me. And I'm like, okay, what, what's the whole deal here? He said, he said, Sean, he said, when you rebuked witchcraft and you stared at me, the power of, what I didn't know, the power of God came on me. He said, and I heard an audible voice speak to me and say, go and bury the tarot cards that are in your bag. So this was my first encounter with Jesus in my entire life. I wasn't a believer until today. Basically after you rebuked witchcraft. The little things, just by being obedient sometimes, we have no idea. I had no idea that my spirit man was looking at him. This is weird. But you see, God does these little things to bring people into a revelation of Christ. Doesn't he? I can tell you so many stories of things that have brought people to Christ because of obedience. Just being obedient to even small, little general things or big, more specific things. Where people have come into a revelation of Christ because of obedience. It's all about obedience. Number two. Second point, second key to maintaining or bringing increase to your life is maintaining strong fellowship. A. Acts 2, verse 42, 43. All believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals and to prayer. A deep sense of awe. Listen to this. A deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. Did you hear what I said? All believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. All believers. And they shared meals. They shared including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. And as a result, a deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. There's something about fellowship, maintaining an environment of faith, that brings the miraculous. That when you can get around people of like mind and like heart and, uh, and towards one vision, you will see the miraculous of God fall. God loves unity. He loves when His believers, His sons and daughters, get together with one heart, one purpose, and do the stuff of His kingdom. He responds to that. Do you understand? Hebrews says, do not forsake the fellowship of believers or the gathering of the saints. Don't forsake that. Don't leave and say, you know, I don't need to go to church. You need to have fellowship. The purpose of church is for fellowship, worship, and training and equipping. It's not to come here to, to fulfill your duty on Sunday morning and then go home and have your tea and crumpets or whatever the Irish do here. Sorry. I don't know. I don't know the English do that. But... We have to come for the sole purpose to get, to get fired. Iron sharpens iron. It creates a spark to get around people of like heart, like mind, and be trained and equipped in the things of God so we can be sent out to do the work of the ministry. B, impartation. I love this. How many believe in impartation? How many believe in impartation? Romans 1.11 says, Paul longed to come to the church of Rome so he may impart a spiritual gift to them so they may be established. Impartation is simply this. Freely as I have received, I freely give. Matthew 10.8. As freely I have received from God, I freely give. That's impartation. There's a spiritual transfer or a spiritual deposit to help bring you and establish you at a greater level than you are at right now. We don't understand the principle of impartation. It's so real. I truly give credit to God in everything. 
And God knows my heart, but I also give credit to God using individuals in my life to impart what they have to me so I can be established at a greater level than I was at that moment. And I'm telling you, I saw tremendous things happen in my life after I had somebody pray for me. And I don't, you don't always feel, feel it. You don't always feel something. My wife was in Lakeland and she had people pray for her. It didn't feel anything. But as she started to steward what she had by faith, because everything in the kingdom is by faith, right? It's by faith. Believing that you received something, even if you don't feel it. It's not about feelings, you guys. It's about faith and knowing what you've got based upon the revelation of Christ that you have. My wife received something by faith and began to steward it, and she began to see an outbreak of miracles in her life. Just by saying, I believed I got something, and everyone she prayed for was healed. By faith, because of what she received. We came back after we were in Lakeland and did meetings in Ottawa, where I'm from, consecutive meetings, and we saw some of the most notable miracles. We had one woman come in who had the bones in her eardrum were fused together. And as a result, they did not vibrate to create her eardrum to, to actually be able to hear. And so the surgeons wanted to implant artificial bones in her eardrum so they could vibrate so she could use a hearing aid. She didn't want to do that. We prayed for her. 20 years, she was totally deaf. Her ear popped open. God recreated her eardrum and the bones in her ear. We had tons of testimonies like this. People canceling their surgery. People on their deathbed in the hospital getting up out of the beds from somebody coming to the meeting on behalf of them that were in the hospital, and they get out of their bed healed. We had tons of people, knees, cartilage in the knees, people who for years couldn't even bend over. That God recreated the cartilage and the kneecaps, and they actually canceled their surgeries. Tons of testimonies. Even three weeks after the meetings, people were still coming to us and saying, man, I'm like totally like messed. I was so messed up. I had fibromyalgia. I couldn't walk, couldn't stand on my feet. Now I'm standing for 12 hours. I have no pain. I mean, it's miracle after miracle. And I believe it happened because of impartation. But when you receive something, even if you don't feel it, you have to use what you've got to see it multiply. Just like Jesus said, you know, they said, God, increase our faith. But even the faith of a mustard seed, if you say to this berry tree, get up and go to the sea, it will do. Use what you've got. And you'll see multiplication. You'll see fruit happen. The Bible talks about, you know, Ezekiel. The book of Ezekiel has this vision. You guys okay? You guys okay? Yeah? Ezekiel had this vision of a wheel within a wheel. This is how impartation works. A wheel within a wheel. We come as little wheels sometimes into a meeting. Or we travel as a little wheel with somebody. And they have a bigger wheel than we do. And when we travel with them, we get under that influence like 1 Samuel 10.10 or 1 Samuel 19 when Saul got around the prophets. He was like that little wheel that came under this bigger wheel and he began to operate within that bigger wheel. That's what importation does. You operate under the influence of the individual over top of you. See, leadership is the, the roof of the church in a lot of ways. Jesus is the head, but the leadership is the roof. The leadership takes you where they are. It's really hard sometimes to go past where your leadership is. 
Because you operate as a wheel within a wheel. That, does that make sense to you? When you get around a bigger wheel and you're in that your your little wheel, it's like you begin to do things that you would not normally do. So you get around somebody who maybe who's seen a lot of healing in their life, or they prophesy, and you don't maybe do that, but all of a sudden you see like it's like residue begins to rub off on you. You begin to be influenced by the same thing influencing them, and all of a sudden you begin to do the very thing that they're doing. But then the challenge is after you're outside of that wheel to maintain the impartation you received while you were in that bigger wheel. <laughs> this is so funny. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's maintaining and it's increasing. It's stewarding what you got while you're with that other individual. This is why it's so important in the area of mentoring. Number three. The third key to increasing and moving into increase is aggressively pursuing his kingdom. Aggressively pursuing his kingdom. Matthew eleven twelve, the violent take it by force. I've been saying this over and over again. The violent take the kingdom by force. The energetic ones. We need to be a little more energetic sometimes, don't we, in our spiritual walk. One of the fruits of apathy is dullness. We feel dull. We don't feel, we don't feel renewed. We don't feel energized in the, in the spirit. We feel like we're just kind of whatever. We're complacent. It's because we're apathetic. And it's produced this dullness in our spiritual life. Matthew 6, verse 10. The famous prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When a miracle breaks out, it's because heaven has invaded the earth at that very moment. Matthew says that when I cast a spirit out by the finger of God, the kingdom has come upon you. Tons of times in meetings, I love when demons manifest. It's a sign that God's kingdom has come. We've been in meetings where at one time, in a nice carpet like this, we had three people start puking violently, this disgusting vile. And they were being delivered of this demonic, and they were totally healed after that. People walking in with the cleaning gloves, and it was disgusting. But people were healed, and it was when the kingdom of heaven came into the atmosphere, demons cannot stand. There, are, there is stuff that tries to hinder us, tormenting spirits that try to hinder us, that need to get kicked out. Whether you call it oppression, torment, or possession, it doesn't make a difference if it's a devil, get rid of it. We get so caught up in doctrine or can I, whatever. If there's something there, get rid of it. Despite whether it's in you, outside of you, or bothering you. If it's there, get rid of it. We need to be aggressive. Sometimes we have to be a little more aggressive than just we've been in the past. You know, Jude talks about on some have compassion, but on some save with fear, snatching them from the fire. Where we get so aggressive with seeing people who don't know Christ, we literally pull them into the kingdom by force, being led by the Holy Ghost. I was downtown one time, and I saw this, this punk this with a mohawk driving on his bike, and I felt the Holy Ghost come on me, and I jumped out in front of him and I actually put my hands on his bike. And I began to prophesy over this, this guy. The guy ends up giving his heart to Christ. 
that same moment, within like three hours, we led 15 people to the Lord. We got so aggressive, we were stopping people. And yeah, you get rejected sometimes, and people get annoyed, especially in, I mean, we did an outreach one time in England here, and it's like, <laughs> people, hello, I'm here, you know, like, you have to, I have to, see, you have to like step out in front of them almost, because they don't even like look at you, make eye contact with you, but, you know, you have to be aggressive sometimes, don't you? You have to get a little aggressive sometimes. You hear what I'm saying? There needs to be a heart of aggression when it comes to bringing his kingdom down by force. It has to be. We, I was in a mall one time, and there was these like, there was like about six or seven gangster dudes, like, hanging out in the mall. Just like, you know, really tough looking guys, you know. I think they were actually from Lebanon. And, um, someone that we were with had this word of knowledge, or had this pain all of a sudden in one of their knees. And their, their leg. And so, it, it wasn't me, it was someone else. And they said, I have this pain. I, I knew it was a word of knowledge. So, I said, let's go ask these people if any of them have an issue with their leg. <laughs> like, I had, I had nothing. I had no, no word, nothing. So, I walked up to them. I said, listen. And I went one by one. Do you have something wrong with your leg? You're like, no. Next person, no, no, no. The last person, she's like, yes, I can't walk on this leg. I have a metal bar between my knee and my foot. And so these other people were like, oh, who are these people? Like, they just stopped us in the mall. This doesn't happen usually, right? And we began to prophesy. Like, we didn't even ask permission. Can I believe, you know, I, we believe that God speaks today. Sometimes we do that, but we believe God. Can we just, you know, see what happens? No, we just started doing it. Because a lot of times if you ask them, they'll say no because they're really awkward and scared. Let's just be honest. It's some random, especially I think a lot of us too, we're socially awkward, aren't we, sometimes? Like, hey, um... You know, uh, you know I, I, don't, I don't know what you believe, or, uh, you know, like, I just, I go to this church, uh, it has green carpet, uh, uh, sorry, I, uh, okay, have a good day, God bless you. You know, it's like, we get really awkward sometimes. And so, we just began to prophesy, and these people were like, what the heck is this, you know? We began to prophesy, and people started to feel the presence of God. The ball started to close, so we said, listen, we'll meet you at the, the coffee shop down the street. And all my friends said, like, Sean, they're not going to come to the coffee shop. Like, and I was so into this. They're coming to the coffee shop. They're like, no, dude, they thought you were weird. I'm like, no, no, they're coming to the coffee shop. I'm like, no. And they were, like, arguing me. I'm like, whatever. We went there, and they were all there waiting for us. We walked in, and we prayed for this one girl, and this girl got totally healed. Now, she was uh, from a Muslim background. Got totally healed. We prayed for another part. She had incredible migraines. Prayed for her head. She was totally healed there. Gave her heart to Christ. I looked at her friend. I said, listen, to her friend who was a guy. I said, listen, if God heals you right now, will you give your heart to Christ? I said, yes, I will. We prayed for her. He had these, these incredible stomach pains. Always, It was like a, a Crohn's thing. Always in his stomach. I don't know if it was Crohn's or not, but always in his stomach. And we prayed for him. The pain instantly left. He gave his heart to Christ. And all the other people that were there were like, what the heck is this? There was a sign of the kingdom. But it took a little bit of aggressiveness to approach these people. Sometimes we have to be a little aggressive, even if you don't feel like it. Some of the greatest experiences I've had on the street has come when I didn't feel like it. Praise God. A, diligence. Diligence. I said earlier, Luke 2.49, Jesus was about his father's business. He 
carried out on the earth what he saw in the, he- in the heavens. He carried out on the earth his father's business. He was diligent about it. Matthew 11, 12, taking the, the kingdom by force. B, learning to find the keys. Go to Matthew 16, 19 quickly. We're almost done here. 16, 19. You guys okay? Jesus speaking to Peter, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on the earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. In the Greek, what it literally is saying is what's already been... In the Greek, what it's actually saying is this. What you loose on the earth has already been loosed in heaven. What you bind on the earth has already been bound in heaven. It has to have been already accomplished in the spirit before you can loose it on the earth. How would you ever lose healing by the authority of Christ if Christ wasn't whipped and bruised for your sickness and your disease? It was done first. It was accomplished in the spiritual realm and in the physical realm. Sometimes there is keys for situations. Who was here on the first night I was speaking? I shared a story about how I was in Arizona recently. It's one of the funniest testimonies I've ever had, I think, ever. And I was in, in Arizona, and this prophetic anointing, I'm telling you, it was so heavy, came into the room, and we were getting, like, just detailed, like, dates, ages, everything. It was crazy. And this, the power of God filled this atmosphere. It was so thick. And all of a sudden, I'm under this anointing, and I hear the Lord say to me, hamburger. You know, God is so weird sometimes. But you have to be obedient. I thank God I was obedient. Hamburger. Like, man, I wasn't hungry or anything at that point. And the Lord said to me, that word means something to somebody in this room. And 15 minutes later, so anyways, though, sorry, not 15, in the moment, I said, I said, I don't usually do this. I said, listen, I said, this is going to, this means something for somebody in this room. I don't know who it is, but I said, hamburger. Because sometimes when you release the word, it does something in the spirit, right? So I said, hamburger. Three times. Hamburger. Nobody responded. They all looked like you guys. They just laughed. Great. Nobody, what does that mean, you know? Fifteen minutes later, we're ministering, and this guy gets up, and we're praying. This guy gets up, and he's totally healed. He, six years ago, he got in a football accident, had his knee displaced, came out of the socket, and every time he would bend down, there'd be pain, and his knee would dislocate. For six years. And he stood up and for the first time he was totally healed. He was bending down. He could never do it. He was totally healed. The same guy walks up to me at the end of the service and says, Sean, this is so weird. This week I had this dream. And in the dream, because you see his knee came into alignment with heaven. In the dream that he had, there was this code, code word that was said in his dream that when he said the code name or when the code name was said, it was to bring alignment into his life. And his friends in the dream said, let's call this code word macaroni. This is, this is the dream, okay? And he said in the dream, no, I want the code word to be hamburger. So when hamburger is spoken, things in my heart and destiny will come into alignment. So when I spoke the word... I spoke the code name for his life coming into alignment. And his knee came into alignment and he was healed. Isn't that crazy? It's being obedient. Man. Hamburger. Number four. Number four. 
There are keys to every situation. Number four, stewardship. Our last point here, stewardship. A, preaching the gospel. Preaching the gospel. Philemon 6 says that in the sharing of your faith, you will have a greater understanding of all the good things you have in Christ. Every time you share what you've got and use what you've got, steward the greatest gift God's given you, which is salvation, you come into a deeper revelation of who Christ is for you and what you have in Christ. Isn't that amazing? I'm telling you, start sharing your faith and you'll find your heart coming into the heart of God. You'll begin to feel your heart lining up with the heart of the Father. Because you feel what He feels. Matthew 9.35 Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Matthew 10, 7 and 8 says, As you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, and cast out demons. And as you freely receive, freely give. The power of God is always in the as you go and preach the gospel. Mark 16, these signs will follow those who believe. The power will follow you as you go and step out and preach the kingdom and bring the kingdom. The power is in the as you go. It's not in the as you stay here and let it pull you out on the... It's as you go and make yourself available to share your faith. Whether it's in the church or outside, whatever it is. 1 Corinthians 4.20, it's not in word only, but in power. The kingdom is not in word or talk, but in power. There needs to be a demonstration, don't you believe? A demonstration of power. So that people's faith may rest on God's power and not man's wisdom. B, giving of what you have. Giving of what you have. John 6.35, and Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. We have this amazing God that says everything needed in life to survive and to live an abundant life is in Jesus Christ. We have this. We have to use what we have. Romans 8.11 says we have the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead living inside of us, right? It's living in your belly right now, right? Right? You believe that? That the Holy Ghost, the Creator, lives inside of your belly. Like an alien. A stranger to this world. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? It lives inside of your belly right now. And it wants, he wants to break out, doesn't he? I was in Mexico, and I was in a pool one time, and this girl came down, and she said to me, to us who are in the pool, I have this bottle of tequila, and I'm not going to finish drinking. Do you want it? Because I'm leaving tomorrow. We said, no, we have free tequila. And we begin to explain to her that the, the God, Jesus said that if you're thirsty, come to me and I'll give you a drink. And so we don't need what you have, but listen, how about you try what we have? And she got really freaked out. Like, what is this guy with dreadlocks who doesn't look like a spiritual guy talking about? And we begin to explain to her about the power of God and how we have just freely received all this stuff from God. And the Bible says in Matthew 10.8 that if you freely receive, to freely give. Right? Do you believe that? That once what, what you've received, you can freely give. So we, I, said, I said, listen, I believe that right now I can lay my hand on you and you will feel the power of God go into your body. Do you want that? And she was really freaked out, I'm telling you. But she was open to it. She's like, fine. Didn't believe in God. 
We put our hand on her, and this electric shock came through our hands. The power got hit this girl. She began to weep and weep, and she had no idea why she was weeping. And then she started to shake. She's like, why am I shaking? Why am I shaking? And she had no idea why she was, this was happening to her. It was freaking her out. But she knew it was real. This is that tequila I was talking about. <laughs> the girl ended up giving her heart to the Lord had an encounter that changed her whole perception of who she thought God was in one moment because we believed what we had was real. That doesn't always happen. But there are times in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, that you have to obey. We knew something was going to break out there. Using what you've got, we have to use what we got and know what we have. B, sharing your testimony. My last point. The power of sharing your testimony. Revelation 19.10 says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Every time you testify to what Jesus has done in your own life, you're actually prophesying the very same thing to somebody else. It also means that the foundation to every prophetic word is the testimony of who Jesus Christ is in his character and his nature. But when you testify... To what Jesus has done. If Jesus healed you of a drug addiction and you testify of that in front of drug addicts, then what you're doing is you're actually prophesying the same freedom for them as you have right now at this very moment. Whenever you're healed or something happened to you, maybe you were healed of cancer and you're speaking to somebody who has cancer and you testify and say, listen, Jesus Christ healed me. You're actually prophesying the very same thing to happen to them in that very moment. Just by sharing your testimony of what God has done in your life and who God is for you, you're prophesying the very same thing to them at that very moment as well. Every time you share an experience, I, I, I challenge you, when you go out, talk about your God experiences to somebody. I don't know if you believe in God, but I believe in God. And this is what happened to me recently. I was in my bedroom, and it was like this, 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 this cloud came into my room. And all of a sudden, I was like on the ground, and I was shaking, and it was like I was going into this like ecstasy state. I don't know. I'm just, you know, people, I'm telling you, are grabbed when they hear supernatural encounters because there's a generation right now that's so hungry for spiritual things. That's why we go into to places like into in, New Age areas or into Mardi Gras, and we'll set up by the psychics. We'll set up a booth by the tarot card readers. Because people are hungry. You know what? Surprisingly enough, we get a lot of Christians that, do, that come to that. And they have no idea we're even Christian. That's messed up, isn't it? I mean, we tell them, yes, by the way, you know, we're, we're, we love Jesus and we're Christians. But, but it shows that even the church is starving. Do you know that? I think it's 85% of all Wiccans in the, it, it, who, who exist today have come from the church Wicca is a, sort of like a, a new age religion, if you want to call it. started in the 40s in England. And a lot of what the new age is today is the foundations are kind of Wiccan-like from Wicca. 85% of all Wiccans who are into this stuff come from the church. Because they're hungry for spiritual things. So Father... I pray right now in the name of Jesus Christ that you release 
the atmosphere that you want right now so everyone receives what you want them to receive. Everyone stand up. Maybe if the band wants to come back up, we're going to worship a little bit and we're going to pray for all of you. God, we're expecting increase. As we, view, as we use what we've got, as we step into what we know, we're expecting increase in our life in every area. We're moving into increase. Come on, just tell God right now you want to move into increase right now. You're dissatisfied with where you've been, with where you're at. You want to move into increase right now. Tell Him that. God, I want to move into increase. God, we want to move into breakthrough. We want to move into an increased place of love for you. When I move into a place of increased experience with you, when I move into a place of increased manifestations of your presence in you, when I move into a place of bringing healing to a sick and dying world, when I move into a place, God, where we can share what we've got with boldness, God, when I move into a place of increase in our businesses, in our finances, in our workplaces, in our ministries. Come on, I'm telling you, contend right now. Declare that over your life right now prophetically. I'm moving into increase. I'm moving into increase. Say that over yourself. I'm moving into increase. I'm moving into increase. I'm moving into increase. My faith is going to be increased. God, grant to us a greater measure of faith. God, grant to us a greater level of faith in Jesus' name. Grant to us a greater level. We need hunger, guys. I'm telling you, we need hunger for this. God wants to release increase in your life. He wants to move you into a place of increase in every area of your life. Walking in Abraham's blessing. He will multiply us. That our descendants will be huge in number. That we will have land, have great inheritance, because we are co-heirs with Christ. Father, we thank you for what you're doing right now. We thank you for what you're doing right now.